The nail in the coffin! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Nail in the Coffin. It's been a minute, but I'm still Tom Valentino. He's still Travis Yuley, and we are still part of the world-famous Evergreen Podcast Network. Trav, how are you, buddy? Doing great, buddy. I'm trying to decide uh, which quarterback the Browns should draft this week. Hey, you know, it's great. Oh, wait, it's 2021 anymore. I, Never mind. I, yeah. How about that? We What a change of pace. This is great. I love it. it you know, uh, I'm just going to say that... Uh, it's going to be nice to sit back and for once we It's we weird. The one time the Browns are drafting super late is when the draft is here. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we've, you know, for once we don't have to worry about the Browns trying to find a, a cornerstone for their franchise, uh, but we still have reason to get super excited for this because the, the draft's actually here uh, next to the stadium and uh, to help us talk about that. And uh, some other stuff, uh, our old friend from Cranes Cleveland Business, Kevin Kleps, Kev, how are you, man? Gentlemen, what's going on? All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so what, what is this thing going to look like from a fan perspective? I, I feel like this is going to be a big deal for the league after they couldn't really do a, a, a real uh, NFL draft as we've come to know it over the last few years. Last year, um, they're, they're kind of getting back to normal with this. What, what's this thing going to look like? This is really one of the few big time events that have been held in the last 14 months. They're saying 50,000 a day will be allowed downtown. The NFL draft experience, it's, the vast majority of that will be the NFL draft experience, which is pretty much an interactive fan festival where you can do a ton of different things. It's They call it a football theme park. And then there'll be a limited number in the theater, which is for the vaccinated VIPs of the NFL, healthcare workers. I think there's going to be a limited amount of them in there and then maybe some draft prospects and some other team representatives. So that that's not really going to be a fan engagement point, but the NFL experience area will be where most of the fans who are visiting are going to be. And then anyone can pretty much go down there during the day throughout the week and just check it out, which is, I think from what I've seen on social media, a lot of people are doing. So the VIP area, that's that airport hangar looking uh, structure that they like built down by the waterfront. Thing. That thing is a beast. Yeah, that that I've seen it compared on Twitter to the old Tower City Amphitheater, and it's a pretty good comparison. But yeah, unfortunately, that thing is temporary because I think a lot of people, after seeing how it looks and how with all the technology it has with the displays and everything, they'd like to see it stay there. And it could be some kind of concert venue, maybe for the Rock Hall or something like that. But it's all David Gilbert was telling me last week that it's all rental equipment. So that thing is once the draft is over, that thing's going down. It's wild that they were able to get something like that up so quickly. Like, it, it just seemed like it was like two days, and then all of a sudden, poof, there it is. And it just shows you, the NFL is just such an absolute beast. They come into town, they throw down 15, 20 million, all this stuff gets built, and then they leave, stuff goes down, and it's like, hey, I hope you guys had fun. <laughs> for, for all intents and purposes, it seems like it's generally going to be for the most part, kind of like the draft was before. Obviously, they'll be a little more strict about security and people getting in, but is there sort of a sigh of relief that it's pretty damn close to normal? I mean, even a month ago, this probably seemed like a long shot. I know late last year, there was still a lot of trepidation 
of whether this was going to happen or not. When you had those holiday spikes and COVID was, the COVID numbers were surging again. There was, I mean, there was a lot of thought though, okay, is this even going to happen? Are we going to have another virtual draft? Is Cleveland going to lose out and have to wait a few years for this to happen? So yeah, this is a, a small victory in itself, just getting to this point where they can host it. It's not going to be nearly what you saw in Nashville. That scene was incredible in 2019. With the so no crying bridesmaids and everything? <laughs> Seriously, that, to I, it. I, I, never, I'm not sure I've ever seen a spectacle like that on TV where you just, the way the streets were lined and everything, it was, it was like a team that wins a Super Bowl or a national championship where you see on college campuses. That was just the entire area of downtown Nashville. It's not going to be anything close to that. I mean, 50,000 people, I mean, it's going to be – from a numbers perspective, equivalent to, I mean, be a little bit less than a Browns game before COVID. So, I mean, it's not going to be what nearly what we thought it was, but in, I mean, in the last, what we've lived with the last 14 months, 50,000 is a pretty big number. Where, where is everybody going to be if they're not in that big structure that the VIPs are in? It's all spread out. The It's all fan experience. The First Energy Stadium is part of that fan experience. So that, that area is going to host a lot. I mean, okay. I, you could, you'll have quite a few people going through there. It's the area outside the Rock Hall. It's the areas by the Great Lakes Science Center. All those, all that walkability down there by Brown Stadium with the sidewalk areas and by the malls and everything. That's all going to be the fan experience. The Rock Hall, the Science Center, First Energy Stadium, that whole area, the malls, which is, uh, that's a ton of room. And it's all outside. So that's the perfect recipe for something like this when, People are, I mean, when COVID is still very much a thing. Yeah, hopefully we can get the weather to cooperate. Now, you said that during the day people can go down there and just check it out. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, but during the actual hours that the draft's going on, is that restricted uh, people with passes then? Or or how does that work? When the draft is going on, yeah, yeah, they, you need the experience uh, passes, which is whatever – I, there's three different uh, periods each day that they have. So if you can get an interval of, I think it's like noon to three or three to six, and then mm-hmm. six, to, six to the last pick is made. So if you're in that interval, you can be around that area. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to be blocked off. And But and you could still obviously go mill around downtown and check out the sites and try to get to, as close to it as possible. I'm sure the restaurants and bars for – this for the first time in a while are going to be absolutely swamped, which I don't know. I, I don't know how I would feel about that with everything we've done with the last 14 months, but I mean, it, it's going to be good for a lot of businesses down there. The hotels are a lot of the hotels are at capacity and it's just, it's a shot in the arm for a lot of different people. Well, speaking of shots in the arm, I was going to yes. say, I, I think a, a lot of how you feel about all that downtown is uh, going to largely depend on how recently you got your second shot. Um, Maybe up the street at Wolstein Center or uh, one of the other fine locations around Northeast Ohio. Yeah, I've always kind of wondered just about the draft as a a live in-person experience because when we're watching it on TV, you get Mel Kuyper in his magnificent helmet of hair uh, or Todd McShay or, you know, the people on NFL Network breaking down these picks for 15 minutes and then moving on to the next guy and you get interviews and you got a lot going on to fill time on a TV broadcast. But if you're watching the draft in person, I've always kind of wondered like how much is there going on? What kind of a, an actual experience is that uh, from a, an attendee perspective? 
Yeah, I know. It, you, it, I've wondered the same thing just because it's it's more of it is more of a television experience. From what I've heard about the the draft experience area, they're going to have huge uh, screens with the the broadcast showing the draft. So and you can go around, you can do your uh, kicking the field goal first energy stadium or whatever interactive fan experience you want. But in the whole time, you're going to be able to watch the draft. You're not going to actually see the stage. Uh, you're not going to have a very good uh, view of the stage, but you can watch the draft on the big screen. So it would kind of be like you were at a outdoor festival and you're watching a game that way. So it could be a cool way to do it, especially this year if you're a Browns fan and the draft, well, it's still important. You're not worried about getting your next quarterback and you're not worried about who you're going to pick at number three or number four, or number five. You actually get to wait until near the end of the night to see your team make a pick. So you have plenty of time to enjoy other stuff. Well, if they're, uh, they're they're kicking field goals over First Energy Stadium. Maybe we could do some stealth tryouts and uh, see if we could upgrade the kicking position for uh, for this season. I don't know. I do um, not want. I do not want anyone to watch me do that. <laughs> that is one of the hardest. I mean, we all joke around uh, thinking we're athletes or whatever, but whenever I've tried to kick a field goal, I've it's felt awful. like I I couldn't feel small. No, it's terrible. Uh, I used oh. to do that a lot in my backyard. We had a uh, my my backyard was pretty much straight across wide open and at the one end we had a clothesline and my dad had got me a football and a tee and I would just spend hours kicking over the, the clotheslines that was the the goalposts and um, uh, so I don't you think would win, you would win the podcast uh, field goal <laughs> kicking competition it, it would be it's like been a long time field goal you've ever seen but <laughs> no style points I I will uh, I will leave it at that um so from the um Sorry, um, Kevin, from like a operational perspective, we obviously saw teams last year had to pretty much completely rethink the way that they did it, right? They were all sort of at home and a lot of it was going on on Zoom and stuff like that. How How is it going to look for the teams this year? Are, are they all sort of doing it? Like we saw, I think LA like decided, hey, we're just going to get a mansion sponsored by Rocket Mortgage and we're going to hang out there, which is... I mean, okay, I can't blame them. The house looks sweet, but um, is is it sort of just up to each team how they do it, um, and they they kind of just play it by ear and do whatever they were most comfortable with? Yeah, it's team by team. That was a very L.A. Rams thing to do, but for the most part, I think it's the the vast majority of the thirty two teams are just going to be doing it at their facilities in a spread out in like a normal room. war room, like normal. Yeah, well, the war rooms won't even be what we're used to though, because they're going to have they're probably just going to have the GM and maybe a couple other people in that room. And then you'll have other rooms in the facility with other, with other uh, executives spread out. So just because of the COVID protocols that the, that the league has, but yeah, the Browns are doing it at their facility. And I, um, I guess that 20 some other teams are doing the same thing. The Rams are the exception. I don't know what Cliff Kingsbury has planned for this year. I was going to say, I think McVeigh felt like he got one off. They need to need to get Kingsbury back this year. I was talking to an ESPN producer today for a story I'm going to write. And it was interesting. He was talking about how that's one thing as tough as that was to pull off that virtual draft where, I mean, it was phenomenal. That's one of the things he's going to miss is the stuff you saw last year with Bill Belichick's dog and everything going on at Mike Vrabel's house. I don't need to see Vrabel's house again. Oh man. Just the GM, what was it? The Dolphins coaches and his kids. It was just, there was a lot of cool stuff and that's, yeah, that's, that's, stuff we, that's stuff we're going to lose with this. Roger Goodell have, in think, his basement. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Goodell in his basement, was, he was pretty good. He exceeded my expectations with that. I thought he was pretty good. I remember. Still, cameras, and I think it's like 40 draft 
40 some draft prospects houses. So you're still going to get some virtual element, but it's not going to be like it was last year. Last year was crazy. How many people are they expecting to be there player wise? Like how many are they expecting to show up? I think it's only 13, which is lower than normal. I don't know that that's probably a lot of COVID impact there. And Justin Fields is not one of them, which was a little disappointing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know where he's going to go, but I don't want to get into the draft stuff yet. It's... <laughs> I tell you, man, it's been nice not really studying any of the, the mock not drafts. Not being that and, invested in it. it not, not having to worry about that at all. Uh, just no pressure. What are the Browns drafting? 26th, I think? Yeah, You're rooting for a real NFL team now. They're trying to complement their team. They're not trying to remake it on the fly again. I love it. It's it's great. I, I, I could get used to this. The thing that's funnier, though, is it makes it makes like Brown's draft Twitter like even more obnoxious because before it was like, oh, I want one of these four quarterbacks. Now it's like, oh, I think Zayvon Collins is the guy. It's like you haven't watched any Zayvon Collins. Okay, get out of here. Oh, yeah. There's a handful. And, you know, there's some people out there who are putting in great work. Um, Yeah, I'm talking about more just like at the fan level. Everyone thinks that like they watched two minutes of Zayvon Collins highlights and he's the guy now. Watching a YouTube mixtape is not is, uh, right? is not is not watching the all twenty two. No, right. no, um, man. I tell you, I I don't know how the radio guys do it. I mean, Trev, you and I haven't been on here since March Madness was getting started, so you know we could pick and choose our spots in terms of what we want to talk about on here. But yeah, when when you're in the middle of draft season and you don't have to try to pick a a franchise quarterback or a left tackle or, you know, a pass rusher at the, at the top of the draft. It's, it's a whole different world. Yeah. Like local sports radio, they've had their, they've had their content cut out for them for the last 20 years. Mm. Now it's like, you can't just talk draft anymore. No, no. But, Killing uh, five hours a day of that. Right. That's, that's exactly. not easy. That is absolutely exactly. not easy. I wish them a lot of luck. Um, hey, something that caught my eye a few weeks ago, we were, we were talking about COVID related restrictions in terms of what's going to be happening at the draft and, you know, who's allowed where Uh, Buffalo, the city of Buffalo made a a pretty interesting announcement. Was that about a month ago? I'd say that for bills games. And I think the, the Sabres you're going to be required to show proof of vaccination to get into games. And Kevin, I'm curious, have you heard any sort of discussion um, as to whether we might see that with any of the Cleveland teams? And if so, who's making that call? Is it the teams themselves? Is it the city, the county, the state? Where, where does the decision-making power on that lie here? I haven't heard anything about that coming here. I would That would have to be, I would think, a collaborative measure between the teams and the health authorities and the local governments, because I just can't see the team saying, we're going to do this and you're going to like it and without talking to the appropriate uh, organizations. I just don't see that happening. But no, I haven't heard that is going to happen here. I know I, I give the Haslam's credit today for coming out and pushing vaccines. That was, I thought, no, 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 no. That, was, that was good to hear, just saying that they stand by and they think everyone should get vaccinated. And I know the Cavs and Indians would say the same thing. And just they, they all know that the more people that do it is going to be better for all of us and better for uh, – any fans who want to gather at these games, but no, I haven't heard that that's going to happen. And I, there's still the optimism that the Indians still think that this summer they're going to be allowed full capacity and maybe as soon as maybe June or 
July 4th holiday, just somewhere around there. So if there's they optimism that that's where we're headed, but I haven't heard that there's going to be any kind of that. They'll still do the health checks and all that, but I don't think it's going to be any kind of requirement that you, you were vaccinated. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. If they were to put in a requirement, like who would make that decision? Like I know, at least at the, at the government level, I don't know if you guys even know the answer. I think at Buffalo it was the the executive, which is the most generic title ever. I think for Cuyahoga County, it's that, uh, that Armand Budish guy. I see his name on like gas pumps. Um, <laughs> like who would make that decision in Cuyahoga County? I think that would be something. I think it might go higher than that. I mean, Budish would be involved and uh, the mayor would be involved, but. I would think if the team was going to take that significant a step, they would be consulting with the wines organization just to just to get the input of the uh, of the governor and his team. Because I just that's just such a big move that I just I don't know if you keep that just strictly local. I would think you might be going up higher up the food chain just to get just to consult with them to see what they think. Well, then it also comes down to who technically owns these buildings, right? Because um, I, I think that was one of the deals with. Buffalo was, I, I think it was either the, the city or the county owns their sports venues there. So that was why they didn't have to go through the, the state um, to get, you know, their restrictions put into place. And I, I, I mean, we know who is doing a lot of the work in these venues here in Cleveland, but um, technically, I mean, I think those are either city or county owned venues those are right? city and county owned venues so yeah i mean they could i would think they would have the final authority on it but i just my whole thing was i would think that they would be consulting with the state if they were going to pull such a move because other i mean other teams aside from i mean other teams in the state aren't doing it and the wine has been pretty vocal of, about that he's hoping that it's going to be full capacity in the next couple of months the Cavs, they're at what, like 4,000 per game? Yeah, I think it's like in the – they have a different – they are allowed to technically have more than they do, but because of their protocols and because of how they've spread out the pods, I think they're like 4,100. I think that's it's somewhere in that number. And, I mean, at this point, that's pretty much what you're going to see. Okay. I'm not sure it's the pods that's keeping the attendance low. No, that, that's the thing. That's what's kind of <laughs> interesting about the Cavs and Indians right now is – you do have some COVID hesitation where people were waiting until they got fully vaccinated before they wanted to go to a game before they felt comfortable. I heard that from people in both organizations where that was an act, that was a real thing where people were a little hesitant until they were vaccinated. But now that you have so many people being fully vaccinated, I mean, for the Cavs, it's too late and the product isn't that good. And the Indians, there's still a lot of bitterness of over the off season and the payroll cutting and everything else that I, that combined with the, any kind of hesitation there was is and even with the capacity restrictions on some nights, they're not even getting to that point on a lot of nights. They're not getting to that point. Once upon a time, I was, I was hoping to get fully vaccinated and my, my, the big thing that the big goal off in the distance was that I would get to a Cavs game 
in May with them hopefully having some sort of stakes, maybe trying to get into the play-in. Uh, I, I'm, you know, knock on wood, I'm going to be uh, good to go in terms of uh, uh, vaccination. But uh, no, I, I don't see any play-in in their future with the with the remaining bodies they have left to even fill out a roster at this point. The, uh, the injury bug has hit them very hard, uh, really all season. That whole thing was a pipe dream from the get-go, though. I just... I know. I just... The way that was portrayed, like, it was... One, that it would be a huge thing if they got the 10 seed when I just... It just didn't make sense to me. The East is so bad, that's the only reason they even had a remote chance. But it just... The best thing for them is to avoid that at all costs and to have the best chance possible. Yeah, they need to be in the top five. They They need another guy. And if they get the right piece to go with... Garland and Sexton and Allen, maybe you have something, but getting the 10 seed and losing right away, I don't see how that would have been a good thing. No, and it, it it's so frustrating with where they're at too because they could fall off a cliff here and not win another game for the rest of the season. And if, you know, you go look at the flattened lottery odds, uh, you know, one spin through uh, tankathon.com will show you. I mean, it's such a crapshoot anyway. I mean, that was at least for me why I was like, I, I don't have a big problem with them trying to win games because as we've seen, even when they're trying to win, they're they're still not winning a whole lot. Um, I, I don't think you could say they've really been tanking this year. I know Channing Fry made some comment about that late last night. Did you see what Kevin Love did last night? Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> and But the, the the thing of that, I mean, if, if you saw the whole sequence before that, I think he was more frustrated with the I officiating. Know, and, know. Um, you know, we could get into the whole Kevin Love debacle here next. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean – I, just because you're bad, there are teams that are just bad that even though they're losing, it's not because they're trying to lose. And for the Cavs this year, I, I think it's been a combination of getting next to nothing from Kevin Love um, guys uh, constantly being, I mean, you know, just constant injuries. I mean, poor Larry Nance, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he said the other day on Twitter, he thinks he must've walked under a, a ladder or something. I mean, that guy's just had a year from hell and, you know, what do they have three different guys right now with concussions? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, they were. I, I don't think that you could reasonably say that they were trying to tank this year. They were legit trying to win. They just, they're tr- yeah, they, they were doing everything in their power to put a competitive team together. Sure. And yeah, they had, some, they had a lot of bad luck with injuries. They, the Kevin Love situation is a, is not ideal for anyone. And they just, they had, and the Drummond thing was the one. I mean, if you're, there's a lot you can question with the Cavs, but the Drummond situation just, was so weird last even getting him last year even though he didn't cost much and then the what they did with him this year and then just understand why you sit him with because you have Allen but then just the way they handled everything that just that was such a strange situation and just to invest all those all that money into him and then just they just just say okay you're, you're done you're sitting that was just such a weird weird situation. I still put a lot of that on him. He had to know that he wasn't in the long-term plans here. And obviously getting Jared Allen accelerated the timeline on that. But even still, if you remember back when that trade was first made, Jared Allen was coming off the bench. Drummond was getting minutes. He was still starting. They were still getting him plenty of touches. They were giving him every opportunity in the world to showcase himself, to hopefully salvage some sort of a value for a trade. 
And he went out there with a terrible body language and basically played his way off the floor. And I don't think I've seen anybody in Los Angeles that's been particularly excited about the way he's been playing for the Lakers since then either. So, I mean, you know, and it's kind of the same thing with Kevin Love. I mean, Kevin Love's not happy to be here. Well, you know, get on the floor and show that you're not a complete net negative and, you know, make a contribution and maybe you could actually get yourself traded somewhere. Nobody wants to trade for you the way you're playing right now. No, I don't know if anyone's trading for him at $60 million. No, that, that contract didn't make sense from the minute they signed it. I think most people, when the Cavs gave him that extension were like, okay, what are they doing? I mean, LeBron just left. You need to totally rebuild. You need to tear it down. I it's, it's cool that he was part of this championship team and, He's a superstar, and although he's not what he used to be, but why are you giving him a four-year, $120 million contract? Do you really think you're going to win with him as your your number one or your number two? That just, I just, I think most of us thought it was silly at the time, and now it just looks, it's just a debacle. And, it, and it, that was pretty much doomed from the get-go, too, because he got injured right before the start of that first season post-LeBron. And, I mean, he's been behind the eight ball, I think, ever since with injuries. It's crazy to think about. So this is his seventh year with the Cavs and he's going to probably end up playing at least eight years here. I, I would think. And in that time he will have actually played in zero all-star games. He got named to two all-star teams and he was hurt for both of them. And the other years he did not make it. So if you'd have told me when they traded for him, in the summer of what 2014 that he'd be here this long and he would never play in an all-star game as a Cav. Never would have guessed that. I never would have. I never would have thought he would have outlasted LeBron and Kyrie. (laughs) I looked it up today. I think since LeBron left, he's only played in 96 out of 208 games. It's something like that. Yeah. It's less than half. Staggering low percentage for the last three years. Best ability is availability folks. Yep. I mean, I, I love what he's done off the court with mental health and everything else, and he's such a likable guy, but just on the court, he clearly hasn't handled himself that well during any kind of period where they're struggling. He just does not – he doesn't put the – he just he just doesn't look good. I don't really remember, and maybe – I mean, this was so long ago. Was he the same, Was he like this when he was in, like, Minnesota? Because they weren't very good when he was there. Like, he, he put up – he was better then, obviously. He was just getting, like, 15 rebounds a night then, and, and – was you know perennial all-star but was he sort of the same way like was he or was he like legitimately like a leader there i don't remember anything about that honestly i i really i i just know he was young men too so it's maybe not he was a bigger guy i mean i just i remember the bigger uh shaggier kevin love who was just an absolute beast but i think i remember there being questions then of whether i mean as good as he was they never they never won anything it was Mm -hmm. there were there was that whole ESPN, typical ESPN debate show topic of, I mean, is, is Kevin Love going to lead you somewhere? And I mean, then he got here and he didn't have to be the guy. And but man, yeah, he's then then he got dealt into this whole soap opera of the LeBron era. But he handled himself pretty well at those times. Fit in, don't fit out, Kevin. <laughs> There's been some classics. Oh my God. Um, hey, one other thing we wanted to ask you about while we got you. Uh, you had written about this recently. Um, a, a, uh, we might finally have legalized gambling in Ohio. What's uh, what's going on there? There's a lot of momentum this year. There was 
a couple years ago that this was going to get done. And then it kind of fell apart last year when some politicians who were on board didn't get reelected and you had competing bills uh, in the different uh, sides of the uh, Ohio government. But now this year there's, there's some uh, major, there's a major push to get this done. And the big three sports teams in Cleveland and the other major professional sports teams in the state are really uh, kind of aiding the push because they want their cut too, which is going to be interesting to see how it all develops. But yeah, there's, it, it, it looks like it's possible that within the next few months that you could, I mean, they're, they're hoping a bill gets introduced here in the next two months and it gets voted on before there's a summer break. I think that's at the end of June. So you could have something possibly on the books uh, in the next few months. And the goal is to get it done before the year's over, which is, I mean, I think Ohio has been behind the times with, uh, with a lot of this stuff, but they're still. Yeah. They're one of the last ones to the game. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting though, but them being behind the times is really going to could end up being good for the, the sports teams in the state because of the way that everything has changed with this legislation with some states are given sport these teams a cut of the action by letting them have a book in their a sports book in their actual facilities or right outside their facilities that wasn't part of all these early bills in these other states that's a very recent thing and now with ohio waiting the the sports teams in the state are like hey let's let's do what arizona did let's do what uh dc has and and what maryland has and it looks like if that's going to happen in ohio as far as a bill getting passed that they will that'll be a part of it where you can go to progressive field and I, I, you can't actually have it in an MLB ballpark, but I think it could be right outside, but at rock and mortgage field house, you could have a sports book at first energy stadium. You could have a sports book and you could also place a bet on your phone uh, with a Browns affiliated uh, gambling app, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> is there a way that they can take some of this revenue and like write it into the law that part of it needs to be funneled into Indians payroll? <laughs> I think they would go to the schools first and maybe some other things at the state. I don't, I think the Indians payroll might be a little bit farther down that list, but okay. But seriously, <laughs> do we know what the model looks like? I know for a while it sounded like it was between like the lottery running it and maybe the casino commission or like, have they just have, do we know like what in all likelihood it will look like? It looks like it's going to be the casino commission that, okay. I mean, of the, the Ohio Senate's uh, committee that's looking at it right now and everything that's been pushed forward as far as the meetings they've had and uh, the all the talk I've seen is that they all, and the teams are very much in favor of the casinos running it, which, I mean, that makes sense. The lottery thing, then that just gets, then you have the chance of the, uh, everything, get, the market game getting more crowded. Because if you have the lottery running it, then you could, I mean, then you could be getting uh, bars and restaurants involved and uh, bingo halls and everything else, then it just then I don't know. Is that too much? I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Are, are we likely to see sports books popping up elsewhere? Like, I mean, we've got the casino downtown, um, even if we don't have phase two, Trav. Uh, Bring it up. We, we do, I don't want to talk about it. We do have the casino down there. It, could they get a book put in there? I mean, are, are, are we going to see something out here in Lake County, or is this strictly going to be on-site or near on-site to the uh, the actual stadiums downtown? No, it would be – if it, if it's the casino, the commission that's running it, 
And if you go by what the <clears throat> what the coalition that came out with their plan last week, if something similar to that is put into legislation, it would be there would be licenses for the the three big for the all the pro sports teams and all the casinos and racinos. So I think it was a total of 20 licenses. So you're looking at, I think it was eight pro sports teams in Ohio, counting the MLS clubs, plus uh, the PGA Tour because of the, of the Memorial. So you can bet at the Memorial and then the 11 casinos and racinos. So yeah, you could have, you'd have Thistledown and Northfield. They would have a book. Uh, the casino downtown Cleveland would have a book and then the other ones in the state would, would as well. So that's the plan that the Ohio sports teams are in favor of. What actually gets written in the legislation remains to be seen, but if the casinos uh, commission is running it, that something like that, I would think would uh, we'd be most likely to see. Is there going to be legalized <laughs> wagering on college sports? I don't think that can. That's a great question. Uh, that's something I'm not totally sure of, but I just with the I know that the colleges are very much against that being an option, but I'm not, I'm not sure what New York and New Jersey and some of those states have in for, as far as that goes. Cause I know, I think, I think you can't bet. I know in some of them, and actually I don't know, but I think in some of the states you can't bet on schools in that state, but you can bet yeah. on other ones. So like you couldn't bet on Ohio state, but you could bet on like Michigan, I, Penn state. I can't go put my paycheck on, uh, on my Bobcats when I go down to the, uh, the Mac tournament next year. Yeah, is that's what you're probably telling for me? the best. I know there's hey, restrictions. Now. I think you can actually bet colleges, but there are restrictions like Travis mentioned with that. And I don't think you can do like props and stuff in college that you can with the pros, but I'm not exactly sure what all of them are. Brave new world here. This is uh, all, all stuff, uh, even with some restrictions and limits in place. I Even five years ago, I never could have envisioned that we could be uh, making progress towards what uh, is apparently on its way here in, in one form or another. Ten years ago, he told us there was going to be a phase two, <laughs> and he sold the damn thing. Well, honestly, once he sold his casino interest, that kind of eliminated any potential conflict of interest with this stuff going on. When you have the casino commission and the sports teams fighting for their cut, I mean, the Gilbert no longer has any kind of what could be perceived as a conflict of interest or an actual conflict conflict of interest. So maybe he knew that. Uh, all this was coming and uh, getting rid of his interest in the casinos just made even more sense. Good stuff. Still don't like it. Still don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Trav, did you have anything else for Kev while we, uh, while we got him here? No, I think that's good. That's um, I don't know. I, I guess just to circle it back to the draft, what um, just to sort of tie a bow up on it there, how, how much are we, how, and I know we sort of already mentioned this, so this is sort of a random question, but how different is it going to feel for someone sitting at home? Um, and do you think, is there going to be like a very heavy, like Cleveland tie, or is it really just going to feel sort of like a draft? Cause I know like in Nashville, they always did it, but I feel like for most other places, like, especially when it was in New York, we'd see the, the idiot guy with the fire helmet for the jets. But for the most part, it was just a bunch of random people wearing, you know, whatever team they want. And that was it. I think you're going to see pushing, like Cleveland, like branding a lot. How many guitars am I going to see? That's the question I have. Well, I'm sure you're going to see some uh, plenty of rock hall elements, but because of where they have it set up 
when I know when they initially said it was going to be on the lakefront, a lot of people are like, well, why would you do that in Cleveland in April? That's, you know, that sounds pretty dangerous. Not dangerous, but that sounds like an iffy move. And I mean, with the rain in the forecast for this week, maybe it will be proved to be an iffy move. But just because of that location, you're going to have some pretty powerful, I think, TV shots with the lakefront and the First Energy Stadium. Then you have the Rock Hall right there and the Science Center and all that. Just when it's all lit up like that and you have the downtown skyline on the lakefront with the NFL draft stage and everything else, I think you're going to have plenty of – you're going to – it's going to be – you're, it's going to be obvious where it is, and there's going and to be I, some some pretty. Cleveland's cool been on the national stage a few times, like over the last I don't know several years, right? And it seems like they always do a really good job, and everyone comes away saying Cleveland did really well. Um, so hopefully, it's more of the same. I heard that um, the Terminal Tower is going to light up like the color of each team that's drafting while they're on the clock. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. That's yeah, a like that. All 32 yeah. teams, and then when you're yeah. on the clock, that team's colors. That team's colors go up. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. Nice touch. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think, like you said, Kevin, a couple months ago, it seemed like it was a pipe dream that it would even happen. And I don't know about you guys, but when it was like, okay, it might get canceled. It might not be in Cleveland. You said, Kevin, maybe they have to wait a few years. I said, maybe they don't actually ever get it. Like, I don't think the NFL really cares about paying it back. They'd say, okay, whatever. You know, you missed your chance. So on and so forth. So I'm just glad that they get to do something with it. Even if it's not 100%, it seems like it's pretty damn close. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a, it's going to be a big deal. It's not going to be, it's not going to be as impactful as a lot of, as they originally hoped it was going to be, but it's going to be a big deal when you have that many people down there and you have all the uh, publicity that comes from it, all the TV shots, the glamour shots, all that. It's going to be, it's going to be a big deal. And it's, it's a huge, huge event. The NFL draft is one of the biggest TV shows of the year. When you look at combined coverage and three straight days of it with, I think last year was 55 million people over the three days. It's a huge, huge deal. And it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be very obvious where, where it's stemming from. And that that's nothing but a good thing. Yeah. And you know, this year now it, when they've done this, I think the last couple of years, they, I mean, you've got three distinct broadcasts airing the draft. There's obviously ESPN that's been doing it forever. The NFL network does their own. And then for, I think at least Thursday night, there's another one that's a little bit, uh, more, I think, human interest focused on ABC. So, I mean, they're covering it from all angles, and uh, it's 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 a scene. Yeah, or ABC is doing a, a college centric version, which is the college smart. version. Yeah, they got like a college game day type deal where that's. I think that's Thursday and Friday. I don't think that's Saturday, but you have two days of that on ABC too. Yeah, that's and you also look at it as that that's another option for the people who don't who have. Uh, cut the cord and or uh, just they don't have access to certain channels anymore anyone pretty much anyone can watch abc so that's another element too yeah. at least it's not on bally sports because at the rate i'm going i won't be able to even log in by then <laughs> that's a definite topic for another day that that oh you're gonna Kevin make had me mad. To use it like i the fox sports go app has worked and then today it just like updated to bally's and i went in and it kept saying like authenticate your t- your spectrum or whatever and then it would just freeze and not go anywhere so I not, a, tried not mine great yet. not a great I, start i haven't tried mine yet that was originally supposed to be ready for opening day of baseball so they're a few weeks behind at yeah. least they waited um yeah no i think it, 
I think it'll be cool. I, I'm, I guess this is another question. I'm a little curious because I heard rumblings back when they first announced it that they were going to try to do stuff like at the Hall of Fame and do stuff more spread out around Northeast Ohio. Was that ever was that ever really like in the cards and they've scrapped that? Obviously, they've scrapped that stuff. But was that ever really in the cards? And it's it's a much smaller scale than it was when, than it was originally going to be. No, that was part of the original plan that they uh, put forth to the NFL when they, oh, when, they okay. when they bid on it, and that bid didn't. It, that bid advanced and was one of the finalists, but it didn't get picked. And then okay. I think the more they looked at it and the more they spoke with the NFL, it just wasn't. It didn't make sense from make sense. a logistical perspective. You can't have people going back and forth between an hour. And Cleveland. Yeah. For you can't have the draft in Cleveland one or two days and then Canton another day. It just didn't make sense. They still have the Hall of Fame involved with some broadcast elements. ESPN is going to have a presence there, and they're trying to push people to the Hall of Fame just to visit and that kind of stuff. But the actual on-site draft stuff is going to be all Cleveland just because otherwise it just doesn't make sense for the NFL. When you have that many – when you're putting that much into a production, you can't have it in two different places uh, that far away. Makes sense. Kev, good stuff, man. Uh, always uh, good to catch up with you, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you around the neighborhood here this summer. Yes, sir. <laughs> Enjoy it, guys. All right. Thanks, Kev. As a uh, reminder, you could sub- sub- you could subscribe to The Nail in the Coffin on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and uh, other podcast listening platforms. Uh, you could support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash WFNY, and choose the... Uh, nail in the coffin tier on there and uh, of course you can also listen to us on waitingfornextyear.com as well our thanks again to kevin kleps from cranes for travis shuley i'm tom valentino it's been the nail in the coffin and we will catch you again soon Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.